I bet there are some business, personal, and financial decisions you're weighing right now where you are seeking a binary answer like yes or no or right or wrong when the better one is actually it depends. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the human side of money, because success with money is never just about the numbers. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I'm really, really glad you've taken the time to join me today. Before we dive into today's episode, a quick announcement. I am hosting another Pricing Made Human Masterclass. We do these twice a year, once in June and another in December, and the next one is scheduled for Thursday, December 8th at 4 p.m. Eastern. It will be virtual on Zoom, and I'd love to have you join me and other entrepreneurs and small business owners who are also looking to answer the ubiquitous question, what should I charge for this? Or, and really relevant right now, is, is now the time to raise my prices? And, you know, you fall into the camp of people who realize that you ask these questions because you view doing so as being a sign of being proactive. You ask these questions because you know that money is not monolithic. In business, money represents revenue, profit, and cash flow. It reflects your positioning. Personally, it represents what you pay yourself, how much you're able to save, how you're able to finance your lifestyle, how you're able to build wealth, and that's just to name a few. In other words, your prices do a lot of work in your business and for your life. The approach I walk you through during this masterclass tackles pricing from three sides, the financial, the personal, the emotional. It helps you build, sustain, and grow a business that centers the health of your personal finances. And a byproduct of this approach and reflection is that it has the potential of putting you and your business on an even firmer financial foundation. So if you are an entrepreneur or small business owner, or you know one, check out jacquettetimmons.com forward slash pricing dash masterclass to learn more and to RSVP. We're capping our number of guests to 10 so that we can really have an intimate experience. So check it out soon and grab your spot now. Again, it's jacquettetimmons.com forward slash pricing dash masterclass. Now let's get into today's show. I spent my end of summer holiday in Merida, Mexico a beautiful historic place I've been describing as a big city with a sophisticated small town feel. Since returning, I've been reflecting on my trip a lot and not simply because I had a wonderful time and intend to return. Sure, the food was amazing, a big deal for a foodie like me. Some of the architecture was breathtaking the people were warm, welcoming, and extremely patient with my minimal Spanish. 
And while I was clearly a tourist, I had the benefit of experiencing Merida as someone who lived there. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to travel. I love to travel to new cities, to new countries. I love experiencing different cultures and customs. I also love noticing what feels familiar and is similar to quote unquote home and what's different. On this trip, two things grabbed a hold of my attention. And as some of my friends can attest, they haven't left my mind since coming home. And do you know why? <laughs> it won't be a surprise. They have to do with money and building wealth. So a little bit of context. I've lived in Brooklyn, New York, Park Slope specifically since 1985. My beloved neighborhood is often considered one of the most desirable, likely due to its proximity to Prospect Park and public transportation, and the historic brownstones certainly add to its appeal. Park Slope consistently ranks as one of the best neighborhoods and did so even when certain parts of it were more edgy. In the 80s and 90s, I remember when it wasn't wise to walk down Fifth Avenue by yourself as a woman at night. Today, that same avenue boasts several Michelin star restaurants. In other words, neighborhoods change. Even when the architecture doesn't, probably due to landmark designation, like many parts of Park Slope, the demographics, the culture, and the character change. So pause here for a moment and think about where you live. What do you notice about the makeup of your neighborhood that perhaps wasn't present 10, 15, or 20 years ago? In my book, Financial Intimacy, I wrote, to miss the parallel between the gentrification of my neighborhood and realizing financial intimacy is to overlook the relationship between proximity and perspective. When you are too close to see, you often notice the clues you should have been paying attention to long after the fact. Since Park Slope is my hood, I suffered from the classic too close to see phenomenon. However, it's been much easier for me to spot gentrification unfolding in other neighborhoods, be it in walking or driving distance from me or a plane ride away. And so I wanna talk about gentrification for a moment and the role of it depends. But let me continue with setting some context here. Whether coaching, speaking, or writing, my body of work is centered around exploring the intersection of money, business, and life. It's the premise of this podcast. It's one of the many reasons I lean into conversations about topics like gentrification and capitalism. These are more than highly charged topics. They reflect an intersection of economics, politics and culture at any given moment. And you and I have to contend with that daily. And so this is why I'm in your ear today, specifically using the complexity and nuance of gentrification to remind you of the power of two words. It 
depends. A response many people despise because it is often viewed as a deflection, a non-commitment. And if you're seeking the comfort of a binary yes or no, good or bad answer, it depends is truly unsatisfying. Yet, I bet there are some business, personal, and financial decisions you are weighing right now where you are seeking a binary yes or no, good or bad, right or wrong answer, when actually the better one is it depends. The frustration with it depends is understandable, but it tends to mask how these two words can really be a great tool for making space for exploring the nuances of anything, but definitely the nuances of gentrification. What I noticed about the gentrification that has happened and still is in Brooklyn is what I sensed in Merida. The reaction depends on how, what, and who. Let me take a moment to explain a little bit further. Let's focus on how. How are neighborhoods, even within neighborhoods, targeted for gentrification? How is the space of change managed? How are the families and businesses being displaced supported? Did you know, as an example, as a sidebar, did you know some of the neighborhoods that are being gentrified, whether it's here or abroad, were once thriving communities or affordable safe havens for artists? So that takes care of the how part. Let's move on to what. What choices do current families and usually small businesses feel are available to them? Can they afford to stay? What neighborhoods were the gentrifiers priced out of? What resources are currently undervalued and or currently underutilized that makes the neighborhood being gentrified attractive? To what extent is the response to gentrification championed or vilified, driven by who the gentrifiers are? So let's take Brooklyn, for example. Does it matter if the gentrifier is black versus white in Merida? Does it matter if the gentrifier is an expat or Mexican national? Very broadly, how, what, and who tap into the nuances of gentrification because they help to provide the context necessary for taking into account factors such as history, culture, economics, and politics. And to be really, really, really clear, I don't profess to have any answers on best practices when it comes to gentrification. What I keep in mind, though, is the fact that neighborhoods change and the process of any change is multi-layered. Let's talk about wealth because gentrification is closely tied to wealth. As you've heard me proclaim countless times, owning property is one of the pathways to building wealth. Gentrification is what has enabled a few of my friends to generate their wealth. And I am happy for my friends who bought property in gentrifying neighborhoods at price points that were accessible then, but perhaps wouldn't be accessible today. 
And because of the property's appreciation, they've been able to use the equity of those investments of those properties to make other types of investments. And that's largely due to how the U.S. finances real estate. That is what has enabled this to happen. But I call this hashtag make your money work for you. And per the conversation I had with the realtor in Merida, home mortgages are not common there. So just imagine what it actually takes to buy a home there. And you can imagine it by thinking about your own home if you own one. Imagine whatever that price point is or was, having to have had the cash on hand to purchase that home upfront, literally in cash. And again, this is why I go back to more than money. Because my trip to Merida, it certainly fed my mind, my body, my soul, and absolutely my belly. And it did so quite well. But it was also a reminder that while gentrification may feel local, it's actually a global phenomenon sparked by the intersection of the things I've mentioned before, economics, politics, culture, and history. My trip provided more evidence of how cultural influences affect how we approach money individually and inst institutionally. Again, I go back to, they don't finance mortgages. There are at least not a lot of them. And that's a huge deal given how much of the U.S.'s economy and wealth is wrapped around home ownership, whether it's your primary home or homes that you are buying as income producing real estate. My trip also reinforced the approach that I take to everything that I do, my coaching, my speaking, my writing, along with why the title of this podcast is More Than Money. And it is this, money and wealth, I say it over and over again, are never just about the numbers. And here's what I hope. I hope that you know that I do not take my time in your ear for granted. And it's why I don't spend a lot of time in each of these episodes focusing on how to's when it comes to money, because that approach frequently doesn't take into account the situational complexity of the choices you need to weigh when it comes to the business personal, and financial decisions, and oh, by the way, trade-offs you must make. So for me, it depends, takes into account the human side of money. And I am here for that all day, every day. So may today's episode be an invitation to wholeheartedly embrace. It depends more often, especially since this is what will frequently help you make the best choice that you can in any given moment, considering the context and the circumstances surrounding your decision, your choices, and your trade-offs. Well, that is it for today, folks. As always, thank you for listening all the way into the end. If today's episode sparked an aha or reflection, I'd love to hear more please send me a DM on Instagram. 
And of course, I'd love to have you join me and other entrepreneurs and small business owners for the next Pricing Made Human Masterclass. It is scheduled for Thursday, December 8th at 4 p.m. Eastern. It will be virtual on Zoom. And so to learn more and to RSVP, go to jacquettetimmons.com forward slash pricing dash masterclass. If you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast or perhaps this particular episode, please share it so we can reach more people. If you are on Apple Podcasts, also please take a moment to leave a rating and a, rev and a review. We do read them. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Thank you once more for listening today. I'll be back. I hope you will too. Until then, remember, it's about more than money.